0: This is producer Michael Miracle. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast. Be sure to check out our website at iworkforhim.com. That's iwork4him.com for all of our past shows and podcasts, plus Jim's blogs, reading recommendations, and tons of great I Work For Him resources. All available at iworkforhim.com. And now, today's broadcast. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. Thanks for tuning in to I Work For Him. And for all you regular listeners... You can tell, I feel better. I got my voice back. It's been almost three weeks since I've had a regular voice here in Ram, and I don't quite have the whole thing back, but I feel better, and I'm so glad to share a little bit of your afternoon, with, uh, to share it with you and me on the air, just to just be able to share some really cool stuff. I'm just grateful that you're tuning in. And so let me just thank you for tuning in, whether you're listening on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Let's Talk Faith.com. Maybe you're listening on the radio right here in Tampa Bay. Or maybe you're listening on, online at iHeartRadio or Red Nation Rising. However you're hearing the show today, just know that we always pray before the show. That something we say will cause you and me to dig deeper and connect them what we heard yesterday in the sermon on Sunday with what we're doing in our 9 to 5, with what we're doing in our workplace each And every day, you know, last week on Monday, we introduced the whole idea that we should be celebrating Mondays instead of complaining about Mondays. We talked about the idea of thank God it's Monday instead of thank God it's Friday. Did you make the switch? Did you go to worklife.org and sign up for the Monday switch kit? Are you willing to let your Mondays be the first day in your ministry week Are you willing to take the No Moan Monday challenge? Today, Doug Spada and I, the founder of worklife.org, we're going to be talking about the Monday morning atheist. Do you approach, did you approach Monday this morning? Did you go to work this morning and act like God didn't even exist in your work? Welcome Doug Spada back to
1: iWork for him from worklife. How you doing, Doug? Hey Jim, it's nice to be back with you here on this uh, this Monday, and I look forward to talking more about um, man the privilege that we all have to actually step into the work week and actually live for uh, for the for the only one that matters, man, our our, our Savior Jesus, and um, so anyway, it's great to be back.
0: You know, I, I don't know, let's just let's go off script a little bit today because it's always more fun when we do. And I always, just so you know, people, I always warn my guests what kind of questions I'm going to ask them, but sometimes I go off script, and that's just part of the fun of radio. Doug, yeah. what did you hear in your sermon yesterday at church that you were able to go, that's perfect, that is that is going to help me and all these people I'm sitting next to connect mm-hmm. their faith and their work?
1: hmm Yeah, did, you know, you know what it was is that... Um, uh, it was more in, about uh, the intimacy of how, how much my Heavenly Father loves me and how special He created me. Uh, we just had an amazing kind of uh, message, and God just spoke to my heart. And I was just thinking about how, hey, Doug, you need to carry that through your week. Don't let the work week, and, and as we talked last week, you know, that uh, that moan that starts, which is really an attitude or disposition, you know, the way we think, the way we think about Monday uh, don't let it sort of creep in there and steal this this intimacy that you have with your Heavenly Father as you work. I mean, because, um, you know, just to, to bridge that a little bit, Jim, we, we talked uh, last week a little bit about how work is actually a spiritual act, right? right? Work is not just a job, it's actually a spiritual act of worship uh, to our God. So anyway, that's what I... I kind of took away from the sermon yesterday, and uh,
0: and uh,
1: I'd be lying to you, Jim, if I told you that today has not been a challenge, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't want you to lie to me. I mean, you know, you, you yeah. live in a busy, city, a busy city.
0: You know, Atlanta is a, is a crazy area. What has been the biggest challenge already facing you today? I mean, it's just early on in well, the week.
1: Well, um, you know, <laughs> so... Just the challenge I think everybody kind of uh, starts to you know sometimes it's maybe the the person you work for or things like that for me, uh, I had some very critical deadlines, and all of a sudden my internet I just for the first time in probably six months to a year, I just cannot get so uh, literally thirty minutes before the show I'm running to a coffee house trying to find an internet connection so that I can actually send some critical documents and stuff. Yeah, that got me a little stirred up, right? So I'm, uh, I had to kind of stay in that that zone, that that kind of okay. Thank God it's Monday. Uh, and then there's other relational kind of different things and stuff that we that I have to balance and stuff like that. So, but it is, yeah, a, it's, just, it's just it's reality.
0: Cr- it's crazy though at how that stuff impacts us. And if if we would take a moment and just step back and go, okay, but Lord, the fact that the internet just went down, that doesn't surprise you. You already knew this was going to come. All right, so. Mm-hmm well let's just talk through this what's the proper response because jesus didn't get rattled and he got stuff thrown at him all the time yet you know i find myself moaning and complaining about the traffic now i live near the beach uh uh, on you know on the west coast of florida and it's spring break time and just about everybody in the world wants to go to the west coast of florida at spring break time And, Mm -hmm. and it's and it is crazy. It it stinks just to get in your car to go to the grocery store three miles away because you're it, it's gonna take you twice as long as it does any other time of year. And, and and I find complaining and then I'm like, Okay, but Lord, these people are all paying my taxes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I gotta be thankful because we don't have that's any tax right. here in Florida, and that's because people come here and they can't wait to spend their yes. money. All right. But but what I heard yesterday in our sermon at the church we where Martha and I went was all about the connection, getting involved in a small group, and the power of a small group in impacting your faith because you get to live life alongside people, and instead of you just having your singular perspective on life and spirituality and work, being able to live that Christian life alongside other people and be able to share that with each other. And that was super encouraging because churches don't make it clear as to why a small group is so important. A lot of people think, well, I got to go to Sunday school. No, no, no. They, they were talking about the eating and the fellowship and, yeah, an occasional lesson, but about living real life alongside people mm-hmm. and making that real. And, and that's what the beauty of your ministry, work life, is so powerful because it takes, it, it takes a practical approach. And it hits people right in the forehead. And as we talked today about the Monday morning atheist and the fact that most, most of us, until we actually started hearing about faith and work, we did. We approached Monday as if God didn't exist. That's it's right. It's crazy. Yes. You know, I want to take a step back. On your website, you've done some incredible stuff with the banner Mm -hmm. ads across the top. And you have a couple of the banner ads where you've got the I work for him symbol right on there. And so I want to drive people to to worklife.org and look for those banner ads where I work for him is on there. And it says, let's make the switch. And go there to find out all about the Monday Switch Kit that you can get. Mm-hmm. We'll be giving one away today on the air. The rest of you can go on to the website, worklife.org, and get the Monday Switch Kit. All right. So, Doug, let's just review for those people that didn't tune in with us last week. What is the Monday Switch all about?
1: Yeah. Well, uh, the Monday Switch is uh, is it's really a challenge, right? So we're we're really... Um, trying to sort of issue uh, a challenge to the body of Christ, and so if I can, I can just give you the sort of the formal uh, uh, spiel on this is that you know the Monday Switch is a biblically inspired call to action, okay, for Christians of of every vocation, right, to switch God on to work and live in ways that amplify the presence of our God on Monday, and. We specifically focus on Monday because of all the challenges, and everybody listening uh, knows what those are, and they feel those. And and just like you brought up Sunday church, you know the greatest impact of the church is really on Monday, right? As we as we launch out into the world, so it's helping people thrive at work on Monday. So anyway, it's uh, it's a challenge, and so that's. Uh, that's what we're doing with the Monday switch is just helping people sort of walk through that experience. The Monday switch is a very practical six Monday experience. And so you just walk through that. It's very simple. You go through with another person or yourself or a a group like, uh, like you were just saying. And uh, we find out about two or two or three weeks into it, people go, man, you know, Jim, I'm not even thinking about work or thinking about Mondays the same again. So, yeah that's well, uh, that's and that's the really the point. Is.
0: That's really the point. So many of us and we've all done it. Everybody listening is going, yeah, you bet I have be- I have been bemoaning Mondays all my life. And because we learned it from our parents and who learned it from their parents. Well, not you know, if their parents grew up on a farm, they didn't necessarily learn it from their parents because every day was the same. But for those of us that have had industrial based jobs, we've been moaning about school that starts on Monday, we've been moaning about going to work on Monday, about the traffic on Monday, and and everything's complaining about Monday when we realize that our workplace is our mission field and all of a sudden we should be thanking God for Monday, sending us on our mission field. Please check out Work Life on their website, worklife.org, worklife.org. Make the Monday switch. Doug, as you were exploring your whole faith and work and as you started to realize hey there is something broken here that i'm not hearing at church I, I, the, what was the biggest thing that smacked you upside to the head that said wait a minute there is uh, my attitude towards monday is decidedly wrong well how, how did you figure hmm. that out
1: yeah uh well unfortunately jim i uh, i wish i could say that i figured it all out before i had to go through a lot of pain but uh that didn't happen. So a lot of it was uh, frustration and pain, and and uh, I think everybody listening can probably uh, relate to that feeling of, like, you really, really want to. You love God, but then you find yourself just kind of getting into the work day and you're like, where did He go? You know what I mean? Or what happened here? And and he doesn't even feel like he. So you start working like he doesn't exist, which is the you know the definition of a Monday morning atheist that you brought up before. But so I had a lot of that. I had uh, uh, I had lost my family for a year and a half. This is uh, you know probably a decade and a half ago. Uh, and so there's so a lot of that. Working.
0: Stuff that really you're strange. working. You're working. Yeah. It actually damaged your marriage relationship.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know. There, there was uh, be uh, besides just wounds that you kind of drag in from childhood and have to reconcile all that. Uh, right. Uh, you know, work sometimes is a, uh, uh, you know, is a place that, uh, you can either hide as, as many know, right. You can, you know, yeah, I, I, we, we, we were going to talk about this last week, but I was thinking about this, you know, everybody talks about like work and overworking and things like that. But if you think about a continuum, Jim, there's, 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 working too much and then on the other side of the continuum which is just as much of a sin there's slothfulness right so you have this you have this two sides that you need to sort of balance um you know which is overworking or, or work as an idol actually both of them are idle right idle sure. and then being idle <laughs> one slothfulness one's actually worshiping work in the wrong way so it's a uh, we need a proper perspective of that uh, perspective of that, but yeah. Well, I, think so people, I, I, I think people, I think people will
0: worship, people will worship pleasure as much as they will worship work. I mean, you, you get both.
1: Yes. Yeah. And then there's just improper, you know, view or laziness, you know, slothfulness of, uh, and I, you know, as much as you and I like coming from the business world and, and different things like that, we would tend to maybe have the other side where we, we lose track of things, we work too much, or we get overextended, I mean, all those kind of things. I, I I'm, you know, from our research and stuff, I think that, I think the, uh, the slothfulness and laziness, too, is just as much of a sin and maybe more prevalent in the body of Christ than even the, uh, you know, the, the other side of the continuum.
0: So let's talk about the person you call the Monday Morning Atheist. First of all, what mm-hmm. is an atheist?
1: Hmm. Well, the general def- definition, as most people know, is uh, of an atheist is, uh, you know, someone who does not believe in God. Now, I know that everybody listening, because I've, you know, with a book titled Monday Morning Atheist, you, you can imagine I've seen all types of reactions over the years, right? <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> and so most people may tune out tune us out right now saying hey you know what I'm not I'm not an atheist I believe in God I believe in you know the principles of Christianity I'm judeo-christian and so but we're, it's it's really it's really meant to actually wake up the very people that would do that because I was one of those people i I loved God and I tried to serve God and I'm sure you you and I struggle with that. Even you know, even today I was struggling with that. Right? It doesn't mean I left my faith behind, but in practice, I I love God, I I believe in Him, but yet sometimes I work like He does not exist. We all know what that feels like. What about you, Jim?
0: Oh, I, I just can't even tell you when there I, I have an i t background I have an insurance background, and I sold used cars for fifteen years while doing both of those other things and so i 'm in, I'm in a world where people put insurance agents just above you know uh, used car guys and lawyers, but I was also a used uh-huh. car guy, so I was, I was two of the bottom categories. And, and then I was an IT guy, and you know, how everybody feels about their IT guy. They all love what the IT guy can get done, but they all hate the IT guy because he never gets it done fast enough. Yeah. Well, I, was, I was a lousy IT guy because I hated to do documentation, but I could always come up with the problem solving. So as I look at my approach, you know, I'd be given a problem that I had to program around. I never prayed about it, but God knew the answer. It, it was amazing. I, I, and in the insurance world, I, my first insurance job out of – when I first got into the insurance business back in 1991, I worked for a company that absolutely demanded moral compromise in order to be successful in their eyes. You had to compromise. You'd never meet – you'd never make their sales goals if you didn't compromise. And mm-hmm. and, and I and I, I couldn't reconcile that. I'm like, there's something that feels wrong about this, but I'm not sure what it was. But yet I heard nothing on Sunday – about my faith impact in my work. In fact, during those first 10 years out of college, twice I tried enrolling in seminary because I thought, I really want to get in full-time Christian work. This is what I want to do. I love doing ministry. Martha and I were doing a ton of youth ministry. Like, I got to get into the ministry. Nobody ever said, Jim, you're already in the ministry. What the pastors told me is, Jim, we need lay people. We need volunteers. But he never said, hey, Jim, by the way, the insurance agency you run, that's a ministry. It wasn't until I started selling used cars and I did it with integrity that I realized that my business could be a ministry because when I sold used cars to people that were fixed and ready to roll, people were relieved. They didn't have to argue. They didn't have to to barter or bicker. Mm -hmm. And, And so I started to see a connection, yet I still, it was a heart kind of connection but not a mind i didn't realize wow this is really this is really my calling
1: mhm yeah that's uh that is so true and i think that uh you know you asked me a question before about kind of like hey how did this all start and stuff one of one of the things that i left out of that story you know i did have uh some tragedy in my family and pain trying to figure this out but i also became um you know, very. Uh, I did the same thing you did. I thought, well, man, if I could just go do something spiritual, right, then somehow I could reconcile this, and that—that that obviously would be the way forward because I love God, right? So, but I—but I had never really understood what we call sort of the theology of work, or never really heard that preach, and I—I never been really released, right? And that's what most working believers we've seen over the decade or so is they really want to be recognized for who God made them, who God, what God called them to do. And uh, so what I was going to say to you is I became very angry at the church. I be- became angry because I wanted to be a part of them. I wanted to join it. God kept blowing that up. And so I I just became privately angry because I, I just couldn't reconcile that, even though I loved the church, I, I served, I gave extravagantly. Jim, I did all what they said was the right things to do, but I still had this gap, this hole. I couldn't not figure it out. And so that uh, that's really how work life even got birthed. Um, I uh, i started interviewing people, right? I, uh, I learned something in business, and I, I wrote a business plan, but I interviewed people and prayed for a year. And I would ask Working people in the church that I was a member of in San Diego, I would ask working people, I would say, so a guy would be an attorney, I would say, So what is it that you, oh, God called you to be an attorney in downtown San Diego? So what if our church recognized you for what God called you to do? And not only that, but we actually, we actually discipled you and, 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 and served you and actually, and not only that, but then we actually commissioned you and released you to be who God called you. I'm telling you, Jim, I had hundreds and hundreds of people. I gathered that information, uh, and I put it together in sort of almost like a business plan that I learned in business, and I presented it to the to the church staff, and it, it was sort of groundbreaking. It was just plain New Testament Christianity, but it was groundbreaking in the sense that they started to see that, oh, we... This is a whole part of discipleship and releasing. So most of what the church does is not in that hour and a half on Sunday. Right. It's when they're they've exited the building, right? And so that was the start work life started was birthed out of that. Let me tell you one little story that I think will be encouraging. Is that right. I re- I remember uh, a couple weeks after we first started communicating this, the the ed- the uh, you know the teaching pastor. He started teaching, and it was just amazing. I mean, we everybody was just like almost in awe, like, oh my goodness, we've never heard this before, right? Well, I remember a San Diego County school bus driver. She came out from service one time, and this was a couple weeks into it, and I saw her across the foyer outside the the sanctuary, and I said, hey, how was your ministry this week? And you know, Jim, she turned around and looked behind her because she thought I was talking to somebody that kind of had some ministry in the church, right? Now, I said, no, no, no. You're the San Diego County school bus driver. I remember you from a couple weeks ago. How, how's your ministry going? And, Jim, I wish you could have seen her face. She was like, first thing she said to me, Jim, was this. You remembered me. I said, mm. absolutely. Tell me about your ministry. Now, Jim, listen to this. For 18 years, she had been driving school buses, in San Diego County. And when I affirmed her for what God had called her to do, she was sharing. You should have heard all the ministry that happened. I mean, these kids, she was blessing them. She was giving kids Bibles. Some kids came to the Lord. She had. She was a roving missionary on a San Diego County school bus. And so I could give you story after story after story. Now, here's what I want to say, and we'll close that up is this: when that starts to happen across an entire church platform, can you imagine you you can turn a whole a whole city upside down because now you have people that are actually being deployed. they're actually they're actually on mission and, and if the church can actually Uh, continue to disciple, continue to affirm. I mean, we even, you know, a lot of churches we've trained over the years actually have commissioning services. I'm telling you where they lay hands on them and say, listen, Nancy, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, I commission you as as a school bus driver in the kingdom of God. Now go, and you, I mean, Jim, I've just seen, I've seen hundreds and hundreds of people just weeping and crying because they've never been affirmed like that you know they feel the father's love they feel god's love the fact that i made you i created you to do this and see the church comes in alignment with that and we see amazing miracles happen
0: ladies and gentlemen understand that i know that for years i have found lots of organizations that are there to prepare lots of business leaders and owners and organizational leaders on how to take their faith and connect it to the work Work Life is one of the few out there that is specifically designed to help anybody anywhere in an organization make that connection between what they learn on Sunday and when, what they're doing in their Monday through Friday job or whatever your days of the week are. Doug, and that's what's so great about the kit is that it's a six-week six program that helps people just repetitively gain the attitude of thank God it's Monday instead of living the week thinking it's thank God it's Friday that, I mean, why' six weeks I mean can six weeks can we really change behavior
1: uh we can and I think it, it takes a it takes a it takes a little while as everybody knows to actually change uh habits and behaviors and things so um, I think six week is compact enough um, if I say if, we, if you and I said, hey walk through a six month discipleship, then everybody's kind of like, well, let me pray about it, which kind of means for all of us uh Probably no. <laughs> so you gotta make it easy enough that we can kinda kinda get through that and stuff. So that's uh we think six weeks is uh is compact enough and easy enough to get through, but yet see the impact and the and the outcomes that that we would all like.
0: Well one of the great things is as part of the Monday switch kit you've got videos. You got a, a new video for each week and they're really engaging. They're great actually, they're great videos. And one mm-hmm. of the things we said last week, we want to bring up again this week is that try to find somebody else to go through the Monday switch alongside because of the encouragement and the accountability. How when Doug, when you hear people that have gone through the Monday switch and they've gone through it alongside somebody else, how much better are the results than if they try to do it on their own?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, they're, they're a lot better. Uh, mainly because as you know you you have somebody else to feedback somebody to stay accountable with somebody to uh have uh you know to dialogue with and stuff and it's always uh, one it's more fun it's uh it's biblical too cuz we you know iron sharpening iron and 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 things like that so yeah it's always uh, i think better to to walk through it with somebody else or a group the the neat thing about the monday challenge you know and you use this monday switch kit is that um, it can be done. Churches can can rally their entire church around this. Okay, a company leader, if you, I encourage you to get this and just look at it because if you have a Christian company or or you have the the uh, bandwidth or the authority to actually help people, this is a lot of fun because it doesn't just kind of it doesn't beat people over the head with the Bible. No. It just focuses on Monday, so a lot of people. And you, so you can create a no moan Monday in your company. Well, let's and explain so, the well, no we, moan. Let's explain.
0: Just take a minute. Cause you brought it up again. Let's, let's talk about no moan Monday. What's the condition you're talking about that people go to work and they actually moan on Monday. It's more of a do. moan we've, day uh, instead of Monday.
1: Yeah. 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 There we've done research and there actually there's been done research also uh, additional research that, uh, yeah, people, people literally, uh, they moan, they, 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 Physically moan about Monday. They and they have attitudes and dispositions that actually are very harmful. I I think we mentioned uh, last week, but I'll, I'll mention them a real uh, real fast again. That you know the productivity of the American worker, you know, goes down to about thirty percent on Mondays. In in some form Holy or fashion, most people. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it is. It is, and uh, most people hate Mondays. Now it gets very serious after that. Uh, Monday is the is the highest has the highest rate of suicide of all days across Oof. the world. Okay, Man. for the reasons we're talking about, there's anxiety, stress. There's just hatred of Monday. Now Monday gets get, you know Monday gets a, a a bad rap, but you know, Jim, the truth is, what is it that people really hate about Monday? It's that four letter curse word that most people think, W O R. Okay, for most people, work is a four-letter curse word. So it's work, and the misunderstanding of work that people hate uh, Monday happens to be also the highest rate of uh, of suicide, um, or I said suicide, but also heart attacks is what I meant. Heart attacks across. Uh, Across there, so uh, so yeah, the heart is, attacks go up. So on you Monday. got
0: heart attacks, suicide. People are just absolutely groaning, and traffic is always worse on Monday than any other day. But when yeah. you when you say that people, are, are, what they're really moaning about is the four letter curse word work. Honestly, I don't know about you, but I grew up in the church. I mean, I, I my mom and dad drugged me to Sunday school from the time I could be drugged to Sunday school, and. I never. Nobody ever told me. I grew up with the understanding that work came as a result of the fall. Uh, that work yep. came as a result of the fall. So I grew up thinking that work was a curse. But that's not at all true, is it?
1: No, it's not. Uh, and you know, Jim, that's that's one of the uh, that's what I uh, you know one of the primary what I call biblical secrets. And the reason why I call it a secret, it shouldn't be a secret, but it kind of is a secret from the whole body of Christ. And the enemy of our soul is using it to keep working believers, which is most believers, keep working believers tied up, locked up, so that we, can, we do not have the influence on culture and redeeming, reclaiming culture like God wants us to do. Now, uh, to your point, most people, most people, most believers, think that Adam and Eve sinned, they, they they misunderstand the creation order and the and the and the events. So most people believe that Adam and Eve sinned and God got angry so he cursed them with work, okay? And then so therefore all of us we just have to either put up with work so we, until we can go do something spiritual like you and I talked earlier or we just have to kind of get through it until we, you know, kind of die and go to heaven and then, you know, it's all over. But it, it, the opposite is true. Now listen to this, Jim. In Genesis two fifteen, the Bible says that that God put Adam in the garden to tend it to work. Okay, so there was no sin. Work preceded the fall. Okay, work and see. Here's another thing. God is a worker. He he he's 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 still at work, right? And he created us in his image, the Bible says, right? So we are created as workers after God's image. Well, and And I think that that
0: understanding, just understanding that principle that work came before sin and that God put people in Eden— to work it, to cultivate it, as the, I mean that—that that was on purpose. That work was something that he could be honored and glorified with. That's a huge thing. I want to thank Jody for calling in from Odessa. Congratulations, Jody, for winning the, the switch kit. We'll get that out to you here in a couple of days. Thanks for listening to I Work Rim. Make sure, Jody, when you get the kit, you find some other people to go alongside of you and go through the Monday switch together. But Doug, going back to your point on yes. uh, on that that we can. Uh, you say in the Monday switch, in week two, that we can honor God while we're working. How is that possible? Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought that only pastors could do that.
1: Yeah. Well, it's part of uh, what I was saying to you, uh, is the understanding that that we're never more like God than when we're working. That sounds very strange, doesn't it? Now, you probably mm-hmm. think you're, that God is probably most pleased with you when you're at church, worshiping, or maybe you're in your car singing along with a worship song, but here's, here's, this is going to be a mind-blower for some people. If you go to that same passage that we just talked about, Genesis 2.15, when God said He put Adam in the garden to tend it, there, it's, a, it's, a, it's a Hebrew word called avodah, A-V-O-D-A-H. And it's, it's the same word that God uses often throughout the Old Testament to mean worship. So see, here's the truth work is a spiritual act to God, before God, and your work is actually worship. So work and worship. So just like you have the most amazing spiritual experience, you know, singing or praising or however you express worship to, to your Heavenly Father, when you're working, God gets that same pleasure. So how you work and your disposition and your attitude and 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 the way you honor your work and honor your employer and and honor the giftings that God has given you has everything to do with you being able to actually obey and to bring glory to your heavenly Father. So that's a that is a radical shift for most people, right there, Jim.
0: So from the tweet for today after the show is: We are never more like God than when we're working. Doug Spada. That's I, I like that. That's awesome. All right, so t- take me back a little bit. You said that your church in San Diego started yes. teaching this from the pulpit, helping yes. everybody to recognize that their work life was their ministry. Uh, and, and again, people, we're talking with Doug Spada from Work Life. You can find out more about them online at worklife.org, worklife.org. Doug, is, you no longer live in San Diego, California. You Now you live in Atlanta, Georgia.
1: That mm-hmm. church in San Diego, are they still teaching this? Uh, they're teaching it in some different forms, you know. Sometimes it, it, it you know, the ultimate goal, Jim, is that uh, the truths that we're talking about, they they move down into the DNA of the way that even the church what? functions. Okay, so that so that it's every part of it, the church, yeah, yeah. So Ephesians four eleven and twelve, you know that 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 we're called to equip the saints or the churches to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So sometimes we have to grapple with the very essence of what is the meaning of that word ministry. To you and I, the way we just talked about growing up, we would think what? That word ministry means join church staff, go on a mission trip, work at the soup kitchen, for crying out, do something besides just going to what it is that God's kind of gifted you to so that you can do something more spiritual for God, correct? Right, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. that That is a lie. That's a lie. From the enemy of our soul, and so, like, like we just got done saying, you're never more like God than when you're obeying and you're worshiping Him through your work. So, uh, back to what you just said before the, um, I love the subject matter of the church because you know one thing we do you haven't mentioned it yet, Jim is we have helped churches all over the world because it's so leveraged and so critical. For churches and pastors, for those for those of you that I mean, most of you hopefully uh, are fellowshipping with other people or at a church, but uh, you know that you can bring some of these truths and help your church or your pastor. Or because when a church starts functioning and flowing, let me let me give you this. You know my mili- my background's in the military. Okay. Right. Yep. So I've I've spoken to tens of thousands of pastors over the years. And I use this one analogy that nobody's going to forget okay uh, so jim this is this is about uh, the true what I believe the true biblical role of the churches with regard to working believers and actually equipping the saints for the work of uh, of ministry, uh, like my testimony and yours, and I think millions and millions of others we we misunderstood, we felt locked up, we thought church was just about being spiritual on Sunday or going and doing that. And uh, not that the church doesn't talk about that or teach it, it's just that the translation over to the workplace and where we do life, where we're called to actually impact culture, what we call the seven mountains of culture. Now, listen, God never intended the church to function like a cruise ship, okay? From my military background, I told you, I, 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 I thought about how God actually intended the church to function like an aircraft carrier. Cruise ships, you come on board, right? You play shuffleboard. You you know, there's no accountability. Cruise ships go out. They hit a couple ports, and then they come back right to the same destination. On an aircraft carrier, the planes, the pilots, us, that are equipped with different, you know, vocational skills and different callings, we go on board. We're trained, equipped, briefed on the battle plan, and then we're launched out to fly our mission, and then we come back to the to the carrier like we do church once a week we get reequipped we get we give it new mission new orders and then we fly back out and fly our mission again so here's here's it is the church is not called to be a cruise ship but an aircraft carrier and so anyway the the important thing about this Jim is I'm, I'm glad this whole thing about the church came up is because the church is so so critical to what we're talking about we uh, we did a doctoral dissertation. We partnered in a doctoral dissertation, a research project. Uh, I won't go into it, but it's 270 something pages long. And it was a whole group of churches that practiced the principles of what you and I are talking about. And it was uh, in, and compared to churches that just keep doing the same thing. Right. You know, mainly Sunday inside the walls. Let's. Let's have people come do our ministry versus the church equipping them to do their ministry, okay?
0: Yep. And so
1: here's what happened when that happened over time. The, 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 me- the satisfaction of the members went up 58%. This is documented research, okay? Now here's another one. Generosity went up. Why is that, Jim? Because where are most people called to generate wealth for the kingdom of God? Work. So if they don't feel valued and don't feel released like what we've just been talking about, um, it it affects their generosity. It affects their ability to actually understand those connections and stuff. So it's really a a fascinating kind of research. Let me just restate
0: that, and I want to get a copy of that dissertation, but let me just restate what you're saying. So when a church understands and starts to to, uh, adopt... Helping equip the saints for going into their mission field for thank God it's Monday instead of thank God it's Friday. When a church starts to help people recognize their workplace as their mission field, satisfaction with the church, engagement with the church goes way up, but also generosity because now all of a sudden they see a point to their faith. It's impacting right. all of that. What I think that's is right. amazing, and the reason I was asked about your church in San Diego, I, I wanted you to plug the church in San Diego and plug your church there in Atlanta, because people are always looking for a church where where the pastor gets it, because I know that, that pastor gets it, and he's trying to pass it on to his other pastor friends. What was the name of the church in San Diego?
1: Uh, that's Journey Community Church, San Diego. All right, um, and the, the one you're going to in Atlanta? In Atlanta, out of Gainesville, Georgia. That would be Free Chapel and... Okay. Uh, yeah, and then every church has a different expression, Jim, too, so sure, it's not like uh, the church has a work-life banner across the front of the church, right? So, <laughs> it's the, uh, the Well, that'd be really cool, though, for you. Is, it would. It, the ultimate goal is for the church, like I said, to actually, this infuses all the different systems of the church. So do we need to teach this to youth? Absolutely. Yeah, so you huh, for sure. You know, we, they don't have to go through the same thing you and I have gone through, right? So it... These Imagine how that would improve are, service at McDonald's if we would do that, if we would teach kids at McDonald's. Right. That
0: they got, I mean, what, Doug, we got to be done. We're out of time. But thank you so much for bringing Work Life to our attention. I look forward to next week when we really talk about the work as worship. I, I'm looking forward to that because that conversation needs to – we need to go deeper. But Doug Spader with Work Life, thanks for being on iWork for him today.
1: Thank you. All
0: right, as, you, as we come to the end of another show, just check out worklife.org, worklife.org worklife.org make the switch look for the I work for him logo on the worklife banner worklife.org you got to do it I've done it Martha's done it it's phenomenal you've been listening to I work for him with your host Jim Brangenberg I'm a Christ follower my workplace it's my mission field but ultimately I work for him